there's a couple of things right there in the back. There's a handout that's, we've, we've kind of finished last week. That's free to take along. Either there's the ministry manual, which we'll, we'll probably get into next week. Uh, that's a loaner. And the notes, we're going to spend uh, uh, quite a bit of time in the notes, maybe the next, uh, tonight, maybe next week too. We'll see how far we get tonight. Praise God. I hope you've been doing the homework too. Praise God, because uh, you will get a lot more out. Um, in the handout, I've listed, this is week three, and so you should have been through finishing the reading on the, the notes section of that, which is the, the manuals called Teaching Notes. And then next week, there is some in the module, this is the module 6, 11, and 12, which we'll do go into deliverance. This is our ministry training manual. That's a loaner again for you, but uh, please don't write in these, the notes. Unless you want to purchase them, you can, but um, we use these for, our, for training our ministry teams, whether we're out in the mission field or we are here or out and about in tent ministry or downtown, wherever. Um, we're going to look at some of the specifics on what we, we encourage for, uh, well, they're both offense and defensive moves that are based biblically on when you come up against any darkness or confusion, you can certainly... Use that as a, as a weapon or a tool to take care of the issues that are in front of you. And they've been tested in some really very, very dark places in the earth. I'm going to probably share. We'll get, we're going to start. I hope everybody's good for this. We're going to probably look at some really dark deliverances, actual deliverances. And all I can tell you is it's God owns truth. When I was a nuclear engineer and left brain, if I couldn't measure it, smell it, or taste it, it didn't happen. Because you don't start up a nuclear submarine with, well, let's finesse this thing, right? It is by the numbers, by the book, and to do it or else you get hurt or you hurt somebody else. And so um, when I came into faith and started this journey and the first set of mission trips and then started seeing blind eyes open, tumors disappear, demonized 14-year-old girls that take five men to hold them down, I said, man, I don't know how to compute this. It doesn't line up with my logical thinking. And then I, the introduction to the spirit world and how powerful Jesus is. And uh, so this is not a course for beginners. It's a place where uh, we, I really want to see us get equipped that no matter how dark someone would be to walk in here and, and have trouble, they would be able to find enough that could help them get free. So, Lord, we pray tonight for your wisdom and revelation. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians that we should pray in Ephesians 1.17 for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So, Lord, we pray that you would release that into us. We'd have this teaching opportunity. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher, so we now know that you lead us and guide us in truth. The truth sets us free. The truth equips us. The truth is what will be the way and the truth and the life that comes only through Christ, John 14, 6. So, Lord, we thank you that you're going to show us the way and truth. And, Lord, I pray... Um, for your peace this evening, but also for your revelation and for your knowledge of these aha moments that teach us, teaching moments, principles, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, quick synopsis. We, uh, we set a lot of foundational scripture the last, um, we're going to have more, but the last two weeks, it may be the way this is shaping up, I don't want to shortchange the actual um, mock deliverance stuff that we'll do towards the end. So we may need to go another week since uh, I'm actually teaching the next series in September on the prophetic. 
schooling in the prophetic. We may take the first week in September as well. If we, uh, I don't want to rush this. Is the best of my point. And so, hang in there, okay? And just uh, and be with us. I hope you're getting something this out of this. All right. Um, if you look at the handout, the teaching notes, quick summary. We um, we talked about what prayer ministry is, inner healing is, what it is, and what it is not. Um, if it's not based on the on the truth of the scriptures, then it will fail. And uh, so it, it is a biblically-based model. If you look at any of the deliverance folks, you go back to the forerunners, Derek Prince, um, Ida Mae Hammond, Frank Hammond, uh, Neil Anderson, uh, those forerunners who kind of, when the church pretty much in the 60s, this was all like, no. And it, there are denominations today that when you talk about deliverance, they said, no, 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 I don't want to mess with the devil, and I don't want him to mess with me. Um, the reality is we shared that that's not scriptural. If you're a born-again believer, tell me what scripture in Revelation says you're at war. Test your knowledge here. Revelation 12, 11, right? He says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. And it goes on and talks about the war in heaven. The good news is Satan and one-third of his demons were thrown out of heaven. The bad news is they ended up on earth, right? And so then it goes in that last scripture. It talks about the, the, the demonic realm, Satan coming after the woman who bore the son, who will rule the nations. We know who that is. And, but then it says, and he makes war with all of the offspring all those who keep the commandments of Christ and pattern their life after him. So if you're basically, if you, well, I'm a believer, but you're, you're living like hell, the devil's probably not too much worried about you. You're in trouble anyway. Um, but those who are walking in the commandments, not, not perfect, but also doing as he says, then you are marked, you carry a bullseye upon your life. And so, but he says, we've, I'm glad he says, we overcame him by the blood and the word that we now testify. And so, okay, another, what is, what is prayer ministry? When we, we have a time of praying for someone who's tormented and really struggling, what is prayer ministry? The process of being set free. I like that. Identifying the lies because who's the liar? The prince of all lies, the deceiver, is Satan. He started from the beginning with our great-grandparents in the garden, and it's worked all through. So he is the great liar. He's the deceiver. And at the end, when the last book of the, uh, in Revelation says, and when he's called to the fire pit, and we're standing there, he's about ready to be thrown in there, says, this is the one who deceived the nations? Right? It's like, can that be this? Wow. And so, so he works through deception. In fact, he has no authority except what we give him through lies and belief systems that are not correct. So prayer ministry is identify a lie or the partial truths in a person's life, renounce those lies, incorporate truth, higher truth. And I like this example that um, Bill Johnson uses. In the Old Testament, it was true, do not lay your hands on the sick. Don't go touch a leper, you'll become unclean. Remember that in the scriptures? Go through Leviticus, it says, don't do that. Well, they didn't know about viruses and the transmittal of stuff, so they just said in the law, don't touch a leper. Now, and then, that was true, but when we go to Tanzania, we're in leper colonies, and we got, we're, we're, there's, there's those that we're praying for that have lost all their stubs, and we're hugging, hugging them, 
And we walk away and they receive either inner healing, some partial healing physically we saw. And so we don't get the leprosy. Well, why is that? Because there's a higher truth in the New Testament. In Mark 16, he says, you are now filled with the Holy Ghost. Go into all the world, make disciples of all men, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Greater, when guys like um, uh, the, the great healer in Seattle, Washington, come on. John G. Lake, thank you. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah. Wait, well, it was John G. Lake. They did an experiment. They couldn't figure out why he'd come back from Africa on the mission field, and all these healings are happening. In fact, Seattle became one of the healthiest cities in all of the United States in the 1900s. And they would, when they first started doing the whole microscope deal, they would take this Petri dishes full of bacteria, and they'd have John G. Lake stick his finger in there, and they'd watch them all die. And they're going, what is this? Greater is he that's in me that's in the world, that is in the world, right? And so that's why there's truth and higher truth. It was true in the Old Testament, but we now have a more excellent covenant, Hebrew says, in the New Testament. And now you are the carriers of the glory. You carry kingdom, therefore go and do what he said. And so, so we want to identify what is partial truths or partial lies. And as you go through life and you get wounded, you, you get cursed, you get messed up and things you start to look through life with these rose-colored glasses and you process. What did he say in, in Proverbs 23, 17? He says, as a man or woman believes, a person believes in their heart, so they become. If you believe you're going to fail, be rejected, you're a low life, you're never going to amount to anything, guess what? It generally happens. So what we're after in prayer ministry is the identification of the lie in a person's life or the partial truths the renouncing of those things and replacing it with a higher truth which is based upon Scripture. So there's no magic to this. It's the Word of God and it's full of living power, Hebrews 4.12. It's able to cut between the soul and spirit and that's exactly what happens in prayer ministry. So, okay, that's the summary. We, uh, we looked at the job description, Satan's job description. I'm on page one of the notes. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy and Jesus said, I've come to bring abundant life. And then your job description, mine, is in John 14, 12. Do the same works and greater that Jesus did. And one of them is listed in 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And we talked a little bit uh, about Sozo. We're on page 2 and 3. I know I'm zipping this. This should be all summary. You'll notice that that Greek verb, it's an action verb. It's interchanged throughout Scripture, salvation, healing, deliverance. So any denomination or preacher that tells you salvation is the only thing for today, and healing and deliverance have passed away and went with the apostles. It's not biblical. That, um, that cessation theology is incorrect. And so Jesus paid for all of it, and he expects us to exercise that. Okay, we then looked at, um, we, we looked at Sally's testimony last week on page five, which I thought was a little exciting. It was Pat's favorite. And then we, um, we're right now, we left off part of that chapter 7, which let's uh, number page 7, E there, which says the biblical basis for deliverance and prayer ministry. And that's that scripture I just quoted in Revelation chapter 12. And I've listed the scripture there for you. But look at the very bottom of that uh, italics part there. It's a revelation. And it says, the dragon tried to drown the woman with the flood of water, flowed from its mouth, 
But the earth helped her by opening its mouth, swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. The dragon became angry at the woman, and he declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and confess that they belong to Jesus Christ. So the teaching point there is the obedient children. Satan has declared war on you. And then part B, the Apostle Paul tells us this conflict that we have is not with flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities of powers in the high places. All right, turn the page. We're going to pick up here on Ephesians 8. First, uh, make a, this, you're allowed to write this one. In that paragraph, the third paragraph down where it says 1 Peter, I think yours says 1, 8, and 9. That should be 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. That's a typo. Okay, it's it, it, where it says both Peter and James tell us, it's page 8. It is the third paragraph down. Both Peter and James tell us who the enemy is. And then it gives you a scripture, it says 1 Peter, I think it says 1, 8, and 9. Change that to 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. No, I, I did it. Yep. I think it's one other place too, we'll correct that later. But what I'd like you to, this very familiar scripture about the full armor of God, many pray regularly, daily, put on your armor. Put on your armor daily. Uh, this is the principalities and powers of darkness that uh, Paul says in that verse, stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. Stand firm. Well, that's very similar to what he says in 1 Peter 5.8. Look down there. It says, be careful and watch out the attack of your de- the devil, your great enemy. Here's a question about who your great enemy is. It's not the brother and sister who's annoying the liver out of you, right? It's, it's your great enemy, the, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for a victim to devour. Take a firm stand in faith. Remember, your Christian brothers are suffering also. Well, what gives the devil devouring rights? Sin, open doors. That pretty much hammers it, right? When, if you think of it this way... Um, when you start partnering, making a practice of a sinful lifestyle or a pattern of a particular set of sin, the devil knows that, smells it, and can come to it and is authorized to bring stealing, killing, and destroying. That's part of the, So what Peter's saying here is don't give him any devouring rights. Close the doors, repent. Um, all right, that's review. Why do you think he sends him out in that where in Luke's chapter 10, we looked at this last week, he sends out the 72 in pairs. Why does he do that? Okay. I like that. These are biblically, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst, right? Let everything be established by two or three witnesses, right? Um, one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Biblically, he sent them out two by two. There's something about um, when two agree. What did Amos say? How can two walk together unless they agree? When you get a prayer partner or a uh, ministry partner in agreement, there isn't a devil in hell that can get anything done. When that person you're ministering to in their free will, even as messed up as they might be, in their free will comes into agreement with the two that are sent. That three chord right there with the Holy Spirit, it's done. It may take a little bit of effort, but I'm telling you, I've been in some of the most craziest, blood-sacrificed warlock places where they have no power. 
we'll share one maybe later, which I've shared before. Some of you probably heard that one in Belém, Brazil, but I don't get it in my head of myself. Okay. Um, the bottom of page eight there, it says, the kingdom of God has come. This particular scripture, um, I really like it because it's, it's where in Matthew 12, 28, a demon-possessed man, you, you see it, bottom of page eight there, demon-possessed man, both blind and unable to talk. So he's, he has got some serious stuff going on, and it is attributed to the demon. What kind of spirit would that be? Spirit of infirmity, and it's specifically mute and deaf, right? And so deaf, dumb spirit, but it's wrapped in a spirit of infirmity. And so when you're coming up against that and you're trying to think, okay, is this, an, when you're interviewing the person, when you're praying for them and healing, when did this occur? Was it at birth? Was it due to an injury? What, did it happen? Well, no, I was cursed and it, it occurred to me when, when I got cursed by someone who came against me. Okay, knowing that information helps to narrow down so then you know which tool in the toolbox. Do we pray for healing or do we pray for deliverance? And then specifically in deliverance, I'm going after the spirit of infirmity and mute death, epileptic spirit. So these are in the gathering information. Well, Jesus, and you could get it through discernment, discerning of spirits in 1 Corinthians 12, one of the nine gifts listed there. The demon-possessed man, both blind and unable to talk, was brought to Jesus he was able to make him see, both speak and see. The crowd was amazed. Could this be the son of David, the Messiah? This account is the same that is in um, Mark chapter, uh, is it five? Well, let's stay with the Matthew 12 one. The Pharisees, they say, well, no, he's got to be the prince of demons. So we know that they're attributing, these religious leaders are now attributing the work of the Holy Spirit in blasphemy saying it's satanic power. And Jesus is pretty firm about all that. He says, you better watch out. You, you attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to d the demonic realm. Uh, you may be stepping into the realm of an unforgiving, unforgiving sin. But I've had people come to me and said, you know, I used to blaspheme. I did all the mess. I, I was bad, but I'm so afraid. What do you think? I said, the fact that you're here and you're under conviction tells me you have not stepped off the cliff. <laughs> Rest, rest assured. Okay. Um, but then he goes on and he can, tells you that in that last paragraph on page 9, a tree is identified by its fruit. Make a tree good and its fruit will be... Make a, isn't that a tree? Make a tree good and the fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and the fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever's in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces... Um, a good person produces another typo. I don't like that one. A bad person, let's correct that one, right? I've read this a bunch of times. A bad person produces evil words from an evil heart. I tell you this, that you must give an account in judgment day for every word that reflected there in fate. All right. Teaching points there. Again, summary. Deliverance demonstrates the kingdom of God has come. It's superior to darkness and will be defeated. Attributing to the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan is blasphemous and it's very dangerous and the fruit will demonstrate the source. The reason I want to point that out is um, we'll probably look at, um, we might get to this tonight, in your diagram or your handout, there's a tree diagram in there, right? Which has good trees and bad trees, good fruit, bad fruit. In prayer ministry, we're building into how you're going to be able to do the deliverance model. And when you're sitting with a person, you're doing the interview process and the person comes in and let's say they, 
I'm, I struggle with so much anxiety and fear. I, I can't sleep at night. Um, so right away, you're, you're making a note that anxiety and fear, well, that's rooted in doubt and unbelief, that God can't really help me. That's a lie. So hanging on the person's tree, they may walk in and say, man, I am in such bad shape. I'm on Xanax. I'm on this. I'm on that. I can't. And, and they're... And I'm not making fun of doctors, but they medicate the soul realm. But they never get to the root of the issue. So they medicate it, shut the soul down so they can cope. But we're after with the truth that sets you free. So in the process of the interview, when you're saying, well, what's made you? When did, when did anxiety start? Oh, I can tell you exactly what happened. Or it was this accident or this event that I just, or I'm not really sure. Um, I've just always been afraid and anxious. And they, you start to unpack their life, and you look for events, circumstances, people that may have opened those doors. And then in the process, remember we read last week, you can't plunder a, a strong man's house unless what? Tie him up first, right? And how do you tie up the strong man? What's the process biblically? Forgiveness? Confession. Right? Because if you forgive, what did Jesus tell you? You forgive and you'll be forgiven. If you refuse to forgive, you won't be forgiven. And confession, what happens when you confess? First John 1 9. Confess your sins to him, Jesus. He's faithful to forgive you from all unrighteousness. So what the demonic realm had rights to devour you with has brought anxiety, fear, and doubt as I forgive the person who brought that issue, or I renounce the lie, or I confess my sin. I have just tied up the demonic realm in this household, and now go in, it, there'll be a whole lot less drama. Remember I shared last week that Randy Clark, we were in Santa Rem, and Randy, we didn't do any preparation, and went right into confront, confronting the devil, and man, it was drama all over the place. Not a good way to do this. That's why when we do prayer ministry, and we, the person has taken two weeks in advance of ministry, prayed with the Holy Spirit, what is it that I need to confess, and what is it, or whom do I need to forgive? And they're already journaling it. It can be, you're digging up stuff that is not fun. Because most of us, we bury our past. We want to keep it dead. But the reality is the echo is still there. And so we go back and we intentionally, with the Holy Spirit's guidance, we dig up that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that hatred, that sin, the thing I'm so embarrassed and so ashamed of. But in the process, in the journal, Holy Spirit I'm, I'm, re- I'm asking you to reveal it, but now I confess this to Christ. By the time they come in, if they've really spent time in the journal, there's so much work done. They've come in already prepared, and we just agree in the tying up of this thing and the renouncing of darkness. And then there's so much less drama. Said to the one who used to hate all the excitement. I recently did one. This happens, if it doesn't happen, it hasn't happened once, it's happened hundreds of times. I'm not, not exaggerating. We'll figure, okay, who should be the minister? Someone's coming. They come from another state or another location. or here. They come, And we pray. Pat's vetted them. And they come in. They've done the journal. And we ha- we'll have this, oh, this person couldn't make it as my second or the first lead on that one. So we get, 
we sit down, we start the ministry, and it's like, there is such an amazing correlation. I had one recently. My life and this man's life, you could have overlaid so much of the events down to the nits and it was like, he was like, this is really crazy. This is, you're, I'm telling some stories to get the person to open up and they're going, that, that's my life. Well, my dad was a lieutenant colonel. Well, well, well my dad went to Korea and, 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 and it was like, that happens so, why? Because we pray. I, I guess the pastor shouldn't be surprised when God answers prayer, but I'm being transparent. God does amazing things and there's this collateral blessing when you give, you receive. I can't think of too many ministries where I didn't go in there and come out with, wow, God, you're amazing. Okay. So the reason you want to know what fruit is hanging on the tree is because that will give you discernment as to what the lie or the root system is. Okay? All right, turn the page. This is just loads of scripture, but what I'm doing, I'm going to cherry pick. If you, if you ever sit down and list all the scriptures where the, there was equipping and, and training in, the, in deliverance, these are some of those. Um, well, first of all, demons can inhabit people. They can cause sickness, torment, and disruptions. Does anybody want to argue with that? <laughs> okay, I didn't think so. Mark 1 says, a man possessed by an evil spirit. Here's the other thing. He, Jesus walks in the synagogue. Now, he's, he, he probably looks pretty plain, right? He's not, he's not a Pharisee. He might look like a carpenter, right? He walks in there, and the demons already know, uh-oh, he's here. In one account, it says, they scream, Jesus, thou son of God, have you come here to torment us before our time? In this account, it says, the spirit was, he was in the city, began shouting, shouting, why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And what does that tell you right away about the demon world? They know he's got power and the destruction, and they know what the end will be. And so they also know those who carry the Holy Spirit, and they also know those who walk in the authority of the Spirit. We've had a lot of accounts of that. You know, the, the lady at the checkout who starts, it's just milk. Just milk. I'm like, oh God, don't let her manifest right here. This is gonna look really. Oh yeah, there's that pastor from Global River. He's causing trouble. And anyway, or I remember Russ Hamilton. He's in heaven now, but he was our sound guy for years. Russ was a character, but he was at the deli thing ordering ham. I think a half a pound of ham, and the guy came out. He goes, "You're one of them!" And he ran to the back. He and the guy's on the line. He goes. I don't need that ham. I'm leaving here. I'm just, uh, these are just like, why did that happen? I don't know why that's happening. Huh? Come on, there's so many, Pat. I, you got to help me out here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we had this like list of things. So we, they said, go into a restaurant or to a movie theater, and some address the people and ask the Lord to go work in them. So remember the lady came to the table and there was maybe 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna deal with that as a, when you start looking at symptoms behind that, right? And so, um, let me a couple other foundational scriptures. Re- remember in um, Acts nineteen, Paul goes to Ephesus. There's that that's a great scripture on did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? No. Well, okay, that that's a whole other teaching. But right after that, the sons of Sceva. They are doing, you got these sons of a Pharisee, they're doing deliverance, right? They're not believers, but they're doing exorcisms under the Jewish law. And, and so, and what happens? The, the, this is probably a pretty high level demon because you got, was it seven sons? Seven sons of Sceva, right? Yeah, seven sons of Sceva. So you got seven deliverance ministers under Pharisee law. And they come in and... In their deliverance, they get so beaten up, their clothes are ripped off, they're beaten to a pulp, and so coming back from the deliverance, you can see them, right? So how was the deliverance? (laughs) One, two, good, right? But what's interesting there is the demonic realm says, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? You have no authority in your flesh or in your law. You have only authority, especially in those high levels, under the name of Jesus. And so... They know who you are, and you need to know who you are. That's the reality of deliverance ministry. And when we started out, we, we, God was so patient with us, right? First of all, we, Pat says, I'm not doing deliveries. I don't do that. That's not what I'm called to do. And then we realized, well, we're going to go on mission fields. You better do deliveries because if not, we're going to be in big trouble, right? And so... We started stepping in. The Lord was giving us teaching points, showing us how to survive some of these things. And then you have apostolic leaders like Bill or Randy or, or Paulo. I just mentioned that in Belém, who's over the four square churches there. And they invite us in, apostolic leaders of nations or apostolic ministries of, of, uh, over ministries, saying, would you now be commissioned to do the deliverance ministries for us? And we're like, <sighs> right? And we start stepping into it, and then we realize, wow. Well, we would go on our first ministries, and we're like the first disciples there in Mark 9, right? Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration comes down with Peter, James, and John, and the nine disciples are at the bottom, and there's a, son, there's a father with a son who's demonized. He asked him, will you deliver my son? They can't. Jesus, they, he's frustrated. Jesus comes out meeting with, you know, the... His father and meeting with the great leaders of Moses and Elijah. Got to come off the mountain here, down to the valley again. And the father says, your disciples could not deliver my son. Before Jesus jumps in and does it, he turns to the disciples. And what does he say? Oh, that's one translation. You faithless and perverse generation. Now, that's pretty strong for the... Messiah to say to the commissioned disciples, he had commissioned them the chapter before. I've given you power and authority over sickness, disease, and demons. Now go. And he goes up and come back, and they don't. And he goes, I thought I told you, I gave you everything you need. And you're not. 
Therefore, your lack of faith is annoying me right now. Bring the boy to me. And, you know, as soon as the demon in the boy, there's a pretty high level in this boy. We don't know how he got there. But it says as soon as he looks at Jesus, a convulsion happens. He hits the ground. He's foaming at the mouth. And Jesus turns. He's not moved by that intimidating stuff. He says to dead. So uh, how long has this been going on here? Oh, since he was a little boy, sometimes throws him in the fire, tries to drown him. And he goes, okay. And he casts the thing out and goes. Now, the disciples who were just told, you're a bunch of faithless wimps. And so they get back to the ranch, and they do their after-action report. And they go to Jesus, and they say, so uh, how, how come we couldn't do that? And it's an interesting response, he says in Mark. Now, he says, this kind goes out. Two, translation, uh, two of the Gospels say by prayer and fasting. Other translations just by prayer. There's interesting teaching points here. First of all, there are different kinds. And there are different levels, which coincides with Ephesians 6, right? That there are levels of darkness. We talked the first session about demon groups or principalities over region, territorial spirits that are in charge because of sin of men over years have now authorized territorial spirits to come in, right? We know from Daniel that Prince of Persia battled, right? Over, that's the Prince of Iran that was over that territory that now is the, the inhabitants of Israel. And Daniel was in war when he prayed. The archangel came in warfare against that territorial spirit. And then he goes on and says, I need to, and the angel says, I got to go because I got to go fight another territorial spirit. So what do we learn from all that? We learn that there is a higher level and some of these are going to go out by prayer and fasting of which Jesus did neither. He commanded because he walked in a prayer and fasted life. That's why if you want to ever be ready to go, to, you need to be war, ready in warfare at all times. Right? Okay. So we see here in Mark's gospel, they know who you are. And it says in verse 32 and 34 there, it says, Many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Huge crowds came from all over, gathering outside the door. So Jesus healed great numbers of the sick and had many different kinds of diseases, and he ordered many demons to come out of their victims. I like that. But because he knew who they knew, because they knew who he was. He refused the demons to speak. It wasn't his time for that revelation, right? So he traveled throughout the region. Okay, Mark 5, there, you know this one. This is an awesome scripture on dealing with several experiences here. But the man of Gadarenes, right? He's, he's got so many demons. Bill says his, his demons had demons, right? Somewhere around, The reason he got the name Legion is because that's somewhere between 3,000 or 6,000. So that's a that's a lot of a lot of critters, right? And so he's so strong, his he can sh- break shackles. He runs around naked. He howls at the moon, and everybody's afraid of him. When Jesus gets off the boat, now this is important to note. When Jesus gets off the boat, the man with six thousand critters runs and gets at his feet. Teaching point. Any human being who wants to get to Jesus, there is no darkness that will prevent that from happening. Now, there may be a battle of intimidation, but he's at the feet of Jesus. And then let's look at some of these teaching points because there's really good stuff in here. First, we see that it says, when Jesus was still distant away, he saw the man. The man ran to meet Jesus, fell down before him, gave a terrible scream of shrieking. What's happened is darkness just ran into light, right? Why are you, look at this, why are you bothering me, Jesus, son of the most high? Now, the man is now, his 
human voice has been taken over by darkness. For God's sake, do not torture me. So they know who he is and they know who has authority. This is not even a fight. This is like, for God's sake, don't. For Jesus had already, for God's sake, what a, what a crazy statement. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Now I've heard those say, well, I ought to only be able to have to pray once and it should happen. Really? Well, Jesus prayed multiple times. This is one of those cases. But remember the man who was blind and he prayed for him the first time? And he says, how's it going? He says, well, I see figures like trees. And he prays the second time and he's delivered. So this idea that somehow we should pray once and it's all done, that's not biblical. Okay? Seek, keep knocking, asking. Fine. All right. The, te- the teaching it the, where the woman goes and bothers the guy at night. Give me bread. I got This woman is wearing me out. Give her to her. And he teaches on teaching about prayer and persistency. Okay. Jesus asked the question, what's your name? Legion, because there's a lot of us inside him. Now, interesting here, the spirits begged him again and again, more than once. So now he's, he's communicating with these levels, and they're saying, let us go to the pigs. Don't, don't send us somewhere, because you, you have the authority to send us to dry places. Now, it was interesting, Jesus allows it, and this is just a thought on my, pro, my process here, is that if he had started casting out a series of demons, you might have had the same kind of convulsions. And when you have a high-level possession like that, it's a lot of drama. It can wear you. We've gone 12 hours, I think. Some of those, I remember early on, I felt like I was back in high school wrestling. And it's like, wow. But Jesus gives authority for them. They want to go into another entity. They don't like to be wandering around in the dry places themselves. They will look for another human entity They'll look for an animal. They'll find a place, and if they wander to the dry place, they will, find, they will go find a place where probably sin and open doors are, and they'll land. But here, Jesus allows them, I don't know how many pigs there were, how many pigs take up 6,000 demons? I don't know, but they, he gives them permission, so there's no drama. You may go, go. They leave, and they occupy the herd of pigs, and that's where deviled ham started. Right? And so, but, but here's the point. The point is, they will go into an animal. We were doing a uh, deliverance. This had, one night we had 70 in a small group at a house. Um, and we'd been meeting there pretty regularly. And I, I forget who, anyway, it doesn't matter. But this person came in, manifested, and we started doing deliverance on the person. And in that room, I, I actually, I wasn't, I, I left and our team did it. Well, the next morning, we get a call from the owners of the house that said, after you guys left, I said, what happens? Well, the good news is the woman got really free. The bad news is our little doggy got really, really sick. I don't mean be gross, but started bleeding from the anus. And it was like, we had to bring our dog in. The dog's in intensive care. They got IVs in him and everything. And I'm, I'm like, was that dog in the room when you did deliverance last night? Yes. I don't know how you're going to do this, but go to the vet, cast the demon out of the dog. Okay, pastor, that's our doggy. The dog was released and was fine. So, again, teaching point. Why, why, why are you showing us that? You want to be careful and conscious of who's in the room. Where, you want to be covered in the blood. You want to, there's a process, and we'll get to that. But all of it is biblically based, and if you decipher the word, rightly dividing the word of truth, it becomes very clear as to why. All right, so we see here... When 
he released that there's no drama, there's no torment, he leaves, and now the people are afraid because the guy is fully clothed and in his right mind. <laughs> they weren't afraid before, that he was howling at the moon naked, breaking chains, but now they're afraid. It's just wild. Anyway, so Jesus doesn't take him on the mission team with him. Come and join me in my ministry. No, he says, go back to your home. Because what a testimony. I'm the guy who howled at the moon, and a guy named Jesus, the Messiah, set me free. I want to give you my testimony. And so he, he says he goes, and it's like, wow. Kingdom of God has come among you. Okay, Mark 7. See, that, the, in the left of Galilee, they went to the north region of Tyre. This is page 11. He tried to keep a secret that he was there, but he could not. As usual, news arrived, spread fast. Right away, a woman came to him with a little girl who was possessed by an evil spirit. I want you to see here, there are cases of remote deliverance. You don't even need to be present. I don't, you need to be careful about when and how you do it. But here, a little girl possessed by an evil spirit. She had heard about Jesus, the mother, and now came and fell at his feet. Here we are in humility again. She begged him to release the child from the demon's control. The child's not there. She was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia. Jesus told her, I must first go to my own family, the Jews. And it's not right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Remember, the, in that time, culturally, the Jews and the Gentiles, you couldn't even eat, a Jew could not eat in a Gentile's house. You couldn't, you, and you would never even go through Samaria. They were half-breeds on top of that. So there's this, you got that culturally going on. Jesus said, I'm called first. The children's bread of deliverance goes to the Jews first. But she, in her humility, pulls this thing into today by her humility and says, well, even the dogs get some crumbs from the master. You're the master, and I'm the dog who's come to ask you for a crumb from my daughter. And what happens? She goes, wow, that's a really good answer. <laughs> and because you've answered so well, Jesus was impressed with her humility. He goes, I've healed your daughter. She goes, arrives home, a little girl lying quietly in her bed. The demon was gone. So I want you to see, there have been people we... It's rare, and I don't recommend it. You want to be present because you want to look at all the other stuff that's going on in the environment. But this is a case of demons that went into animals, demons that left because they were given permission with less drama, and now we have a case of a person who has a daughter released from that, and she's not even present. Acts 16. A day was going down to place of prayer when a, they met a demon-possessed slave girl, fortune teller. She earned a lot of money for her master's. She followed behind. These men are searched. Now, here is the demon speaking truth, but it's all out of order. For days, she's there. These are the servants of the Most High God, right? And finally, they just get annoyed. Paul turns around and exasperated and says, come out of her, right? Now, the devil told the truth, but it was a tormenting out of order time. And the result, I'm not saying that Paul got it wrong, but the result of that is a riot. Now, God's elevated in this, but again, all I can tell is report. The demons sometimes will speak truth, and they can masquerade as truth. And so we need to know, is this in order, out of order, and then what do I do about it? Territorial spirits, that's the next one. We've talked about that. Daniel 10, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray, understanding and, and the humble yourself before God, your request has been heard. I've come in to answer your prayer 21 days ago, the prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. That's a strong territorial spirit. Remember, Persia is Iran. 
1937 changed their name. So they're, they're key players even now. It's going to come in the end. You're going to see Russia, probably Iran, and uh, Libya. They're going to line up. Okay. Michael and the archangels came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So also in that chapter, you'll say, I also have to go fight the Greece, the, the, prince of, the territorial prince over Greece. So there are territorial spirits. And again, these are just teaching points. So when you come into a region, it's nice to know what do we think territorially is the prince over this region because you'll then start to see some of the strongholds that are already operating in the people you're now ministering to. I shared last week when we were in Santorin, and that was the, the festival of the dolphins. They're having sex for four days with anybody that they wanted, whether they're married or not. There's all sorts of, we, we would even go to pray for the young women. They would recoil because there was so much molestation and incest and rape, and it was vile. It was a vile place. That territorial spirit, you could see it manifest in the people we were praying for. So knowing that over a region, when you walk into India, you know that false gods, idolatry, thousand gods, Hindu gods, you know that false religion, false gods are going to, and then depending on what god, is, is it the rat god, is it the monkey god, what are we dealing with in this region where our church might be? That's giving you information as to, okay, we know we ought to be prayed up against forms of idolatry, lies, deceptions. Okay. Next one. Um, Spirit of infirmity, Matthew 4. Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching everywhere, good news of the kingdom, healed people everywhere he went, all kinds of sickness, disease. News about him spread far and wide to the borders of Galilee. The sick were coming from a far away as Syria. That's, that's a long walk. And whatever their illness and pain, or if they were possessed by demons or epileptics, they were paralyzed, he healed them. Large crowds followed him wherever he went, people from Galilee, the ten towns. I want you to see that that epileptics, we'd be, we'd be praying for them. And again, I've said this in the first session, not everything is a demon. There is sickness in the world and not everything's, but, but I've been in meetings and all of a sudden we'll start praying and the person starts foaming at the mouth and having an epileptic fit. And I did a deliverance, I forget what city it was, I think it was in Belém, might have been in Manaus. We prayed, that person had a history of generational epilepsy in their family, and he got delivered in that process. And so, again, knowing that that's a symptom, and is it manifesting because it, the demon in that wants you to stop? So it'll manifest. It'll tell a lie. It'll threaten you. It'll cause distraction. It'll cause violence. It'll attack. Those are things we see, the, the, the way they change the, try to change the subject. Okay, turn the page, 12. We get off and ask this question. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? What's the answer? Why? Filled with the Holy Spirit. So their, their spirit man, if they're truly born again, their spirit man has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Their spirit, remember, we're three parts. We are body, soul, and spirit, Right? Um, and so that spirit, the pneuma, is the, the spirit man has been born from above. It's now inhabited by the Holy Spirit. That's why they know who you are. <laughs> and that's why he says when that witness tells you who you belong to, Paul, what does John say? He says, you know who you know who you are. <laughs> you know? I know I'm born. Now, there may be a season in your life, I don't know if I'm really saying, I'm like, I remember early on, I, I think I walked the aisle maybe 15 times. I want to make sure it takes and I feel like I had to be this good little boy, and it wasn't. And, 
And then, then I started reading the words. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm born again. But what's the matter with the soul? The mind, the will, and the emotions. What happens is this, this is a false belief that one of the reasons you shouldn't have to do deliverance on a Christian is once they're saved, there's no way the devil can bother you. Is there any one of us that hadn't been tormented or vexed in some point? Right? So start with fear. If God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but, God, but he's given you power, love, and a sound mind, anytime you walk in any level of fear that is generated from the spirit realm, there's good fear. Like, hey, you know, be careful about going 100 miles an hour and you know, be careful when you're walking in the road. That's, that's, that's good fear. Or wisdom, let's put it that way. But when you, when you turn on some of these slasher things and you're like, oh my God, the murdering spirit. And then you, you keep the light on when you go to bed, right? That spirit that's trying to occupy your soul, your mind and your will and emotions. So this is the process where my soul has not been fully sanctified. I'm born again and I'm justified by Christ as if I'd never sinned, but I am not fully sanctified or it would make no sense when Paul says in Philippians 1.6, he who began the work in you will continue to perform it until the day he comes for you. And so there's a process of sanctification. What I love about prayer ministry is you can take a, a brand new baby, walk through a prayer ministry, and accelerate the sanctification years in the process because they get their bags unpacked, they get their wounds taken care of, and they start to believe more truth. And the truth will set you free. And it will let you change the way you think. And then he shows you his perfect plan and will for your life, Romans 12. It's a great question, and the, the different denominations will talk to you about the sanctification process. Uh, when did you get sanctified? And then the, the Pentecostals, there's a process of sanctification. I've been spirit-filled, and, and then the others will say, well, there's multiple fillings. Um, the answer is, it's a process. I believe it's a process, and you can be multiply filled. Um, how many have had more than one baptism of fire or like, oh my gosh, more than one. Just look around, about half of you, all right? So, and I can biblically back that up. If you look in Acts, it says, remember in Acts chapter four, right? After they, they're, they're accused, the man at the gate beautiful, uh, Peter and John's, silver and gold have I none, as, such as I have I give unto you. Rise up and walk. He walks up, well, now they get accused, right? You can't preach the name of Jesus in this place. He goes, you think we're going to listen to you rather than the Son of God? And like, there's this whole thing. And then Peter seizes the moment, and it says, Lord, we, we ask for greater boldness. Even in the midst of they've been locked, even in the midst of this, we want more boldness. It says the whole place shook with another earthquake, and it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, those guys had already been in Acts chapter 2 with the Pentecostal downpouring, right? And so there are multiple baptisms, and I believe there are multiple operations where you become more and more sanctified, which means is you're becoming freer and freer and freer by the word of God and the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And so, good question. Okay. Gotta keep going. Lord have mercy. Okay. Yeah. How 
How many times as you read the word, it's like, I've read that a hundred times. And now it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> they, they talk about the diamond when you turn, the, you know, it gets different reflections, right? It's a good analogy of that. And so it's true. We get greater and greater truth and the truth will set you free, right? And I love what he says in John 14 and 15. He says, I'm going to go away. Remember he tells, First John 4, he says, don't be afraid. I'm going away. I won't leave you orphans. When everything's ready, I'll come back for you. Then he says, the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. It's good that I go away because when he comes, he will lead you and guide you in all truth. You can't bear the truth now. There are things that when I was over here as a baby Christian, you told me, like, when they told me about that, I said, no, nah, deliverance stuff, that's all movies. Exorcist movie, that's just sell movies. And then I see it. And then we deliver it. I'm like, okay, so what I could bear then, I'm now over here, and I'm bearing a whole lot more, and now I'm wielding a sword against it, and now I'm teaching people, and now we're in the nations, I can bear a little more truth than I was able to when before I didn't even believe it was true. All right, okay. So sanctification, and the, that's why these being discipled in the truth, rightly dividing it. Okay, so let me look at that. Number one here says, can a Christian be demon-possessed? No. Christians are blood-bought. He purchased a purchased possession, 1 Corinthians 6.20. A better question is, can a Christian be under the power of a demon? Under the influence the answer is yes. The Greek word diamizonai, translated in King James as possessed with devils, is more accurately translated under the power of a demon. And if you can look at the Greek-English lexicon, it says, defines possessed by demons as affected by demons or invisible agents. If you've struggled in, let's say that uh, the spirit of lust, pornography, uh, promiscuity has been an issue where there's been a pattern of sin, you may have had a demon of lust influencing your life. And until that is dealt with by confession, repentance, and then binding that spirit, th that demon can influence you. And so we'll talk about later taking advantage for, it hides for strategic advantage to cause max damage. And we'll, we'll look at that in a little bit. But Okay, so I want you to see an interesting view in the New Testament that there is no distinction, this is important, no distinction between believers and non-believers as far as demonization is concerned. You show me one scripture, there is none. So this idea that demons can't influence Christians, biblically it's not correct, All right? So um, I'm just thinking of uh, Mary Magdalene. She was a believer, she's also at the cross. They, they identify her as the woman with whom Jesus cast out seven demons, so at some point she became, she probably, they say she may have been a prostitute. She came out of her lifestyle and whatever caused the demonization of seven, Jesus cast it out of her. Did she become saved first and then cast it out? We don't know, but it's interesting. Um, but I have done hundreds, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of born-again believers who have had manifestations of demonic realms from their soul. And they're better after that. So I'm reporting by experience. Frank Hammond in his book, Demons and Deliverance, I like this example. Um, that's, a, that's a good book as a reference if you want to look at that one. He's in heaven now, but he was a forerunner. Um, he, he says, can property owned by a person be trespassed upon by another? Anybody can break in your house, right? Or come on your property. The trespasser comes up when confronted by a legal right, 
the trespasser will be required to leave because the law supports, supports the owner. So when we look at this delegated authority or the owner, when you confront it, they, you have legal rights once that person has come to you in their free will, says, I want to be set free. They've confessed and they've forgiven. They say, I want to be set free, and they've authorized you as an agent of the cross to set them free. Legal right, when that's happened, they better go. We'll share... Um, there's one in here later, and Karen actually was on this trip. So was my mom. My mom and Karen were both uh, in uh, Manchester, England, um, with this one. And there was a, we ran into a snag. We're, we're ministering to this woman who had manifested. I think actually, Pat, you were on that trip too. I think Karen and Pat both, we had lined up. I might as well tell the story right now. It's in here. You probably read it. But, but it's a good teaching point. This, this woman came to the church in Manchester, and we were there, Randy Clark, Jamie Galloway. The ladies are at the front. We're praying for people. This woman curls up, right? They say, ooh, we interview her and find out that, man, she's got... Jan did too? You all ganged up on this thing. I don't... Well, I didn't see that, but I, I believe you, okay? Okay, well, here's the... Yeah, she didn't need any help. The head spinning around. She's all curled up. Yipes. But the, in the, remember, this is a ministry of love. If that person doesn't want deliverance, we don't get all power tripped on this thing, right? You got to engage the free will. So this lady was really tormented. Here's the scenario of what happened. She had, uh, here, let's, let's, let me have you turn to it so you can take note. Well, you can't take notes because you're not allowed to write in here, but we'll have you. Let me find the page on it. Yeah, it's on page 25. I've, her name's Trish. We cha- I think we changed her name, but maybe. So here's, here's the scenario. This woman came up for prayer. There, page 25. Trish's te- testimony. In, in discerning the spirit of death, the moment we saw her, she, basically what, what you saw on her first, when they start to pray, Jan, was that the case? Did you see this? It was just like, and so, at that point, stop praying or else you're gonna, you may have a pretty wild manifestation occur and you want to find out, one, what's the source of that and do you want freedom from it? So there was an interview process. I got involved. I called her over and this is what I recalled from it. Um, she had um, actually been pretty, pretty tormented. She went through breast cancer. She'd had a double mastectomy. Her hair had returned, but uh, she, they had had major surgery done. Um, when the history of this thing before that, four years prior, she had been active in her church. And on Christmas Eve, she was at, there were actually two churches that came together on Christmas Eve. And she was asked to read the Christmas Eve service uh, story. She's up there. Now, in England, with the whole thing with Harry Potter at that time, Rawlings was writing all the books. So you, you, could, you could find posters everywhere. And there were covens that had grown up. England had started to be really occupied in Manchester by witch covens, and their, uh, their desire was to enter churches to project curses on the pastors and on the leaders. So they would actually come in, masquerade as believers, and do their craft. Well, on that Christmas Eve service, she's reading the scripture, and all of a sudden she starts to feel ill to her stomach. She goes home, because she's so ill, she was ill most of the night, 
She wakes up in the morning. She's telling us she stepped outside the door, and there was a, during those days, the cassette tapes. If anybody remembers what those were? The cassette tape was all the way wound around her house. And I said, well, what the heck was that? She goes, oh, that's a practice here. The covens project curses on those cassette tapes, and then they string the house to surround you in the curse. I said, well, what did you do with that? He goes, I threw it away. Is anything else? No. But the next four years, all four of her children, turn the page, all four of her children had been arrested. She develops breast cancer. Her husband quit attending church. He won a coffee pool at work, and they bought him a prostitute. Great coffee win. What the heck? Place, right? I do. Um, she goes on vacation. She's so mad at her husband. And the mother-in-law, her mother, is so mad at the dude also. She's there, and the mother convinces Trish to have an affair in Turkey. In fact, bribes her. I'll buy you gold jewelry if you'll go, you know, right? So she gets this gold bracelet, goes on a date, has an immoral relationship, and comes back and develops warts on her hand. And in the middle of this, before she came up for prayer, Jamie Galloway uh, gives a, says, man, I just got a word of knowledge. There's somebody in here, you've got cursed jewelry on you. You need to get rid of that jewelry. She ran into the ladies' room and threw the gold jewelry in the trash. The next morning, all the warts were gone, even though she had attempted to have them burned off, burned off. Burned. So I'm just reporting, okay? I just, I'm where you were, like, what? Okay. So Allah, here she is now. She's been all through this, and she's back in church in Manchester, and this is the manifestation. So we said, we talked to her and said, you know what? This is going to be a little more involved in the vetting process. Can you come tomorrow a few hours early and we'll do what's called prayer ministry. Tonight, we don't have two weeks, but can you go home and journal forgiveness and confession items? So, mom's there. Karen's there. And there was a guy, I think this was his first trip, right? Charles, uh, his first trip. And so, and so, we're in the ministry. And it was just wild. because I remember this one because this is the first time my mom heard a demon speak. It was like, wow. <laughs> I heard it. Okay. During the four hours of prayer ministry, doing the destiny model of forgiveness, confession, spirits of rejection, selfishness, witchcraft, all that stuff's coming out. We get to this point, and then the demon says, I don't have to leave. I commanded the spirit to leave, and the spirit says, she's used to me. So what does that have to do with the price of ham, right? We then pray, but we got to this point, it starts to reach out to strangle me. Not, it wasn't as violent as the other one, but now the demon wants to get me to stop because I know who I am, and the demon knows now who I am. And you don't, demon says, you, don't, you can't get me out because she's used to me. We then pray, and we run into a, a roadblock. There's nothing happening. We, we're, we're commanding this thing, and the demon's not leaving. It's not, and I'm like, okay. That generally indicates that there is a stronghold or a strong man that has not been unauthorized, hasn't been confessed again, hasn't been rebuked. It is still authorized to be there, and you can wear yourself out. Trust me, we've done hours of command. It's like talking, and it's like they're not leaving. So my recommendation at that point is when you lack wisdom, what do you do? James says, ask the Holy Spirit. We stopped and we prayed. And we said, Lord, what, what is it? And 
I remember this, that she began coughing a lot. We asked the Holy Spirit, give us some insight. Karen finally develops this pain. Right? It was pretty sharp, right? Remember, a word of knowledge manifests. If you had the teaching that was done by Cher a few weeks ago when it came back from Brazil, you can see it, hear it, see an organ part, or you can feel it. Karen goes, oh! And Charles, his first ministry, he goes, ask her about the abortion. He got a word of knowledge. So we had a physical manifestation by the team and then a word of knowledge by the most inexperienced folks that were there at that time. God is so good, right? And so I said, well, tell me about the abortion. And she I've never told anybody about that. I said, well, that's a murdering spirit, and we need to confess that. Would you like to be free of that? And she goes through that. And then Charles gets another revelation. It was a little more um, personal and says, ask her about some of the fantasies. I won't elaborate on it. And she confesses that as well. And so the authorization then was then broken. She confessed it. She wanted to be free of it. The secret sin that she was so afraid of came out into the light. And guess what? When it comes to the light, it loses its power. And so then we're praying again. And all of a sudden the Spirit says, all right, I'll go. It was very peaceful, nice. If you could have a nice demon, it was the nicest demon I think I've probably ever talked to. Um, but anyway, then she becomes bright and clear-headed, and she's like, oh. and then the, be- the best part for me at the end of this thing is, one, to see her set free. Well, when she had the double mastectomy, it did something to the muscles in her arm, and she had a range of motion only this high. We didn't know that. She never told us that, at least didn't tell me. And so we're, we're all, like, excited, and we grab hands in a circle, and we're thanking God, cutting us free, and yay, praise the Lord. And then she goes, I can't do this. She got healed in the process. We never prayed. Well, we did pray for healing, but, so, but it wasn't specific. What's the point? There are blocks or hindrances. Now, we don't have any kids in here, but I'll give you one. I was, this happens years ago, and the person's not part of our church anymore. They've got moved to another duty station and everything. But this lady wanted to go on a mission trip, and one of our... Um, one of our ladies who was just really, she's not here either anymore. She moved on. And, and uh, they were going to go to Brazil with me. Well, in order to go to any of the mission trips, you got to go to prayer ministry because I'm not taking anybody with baggage to get jumped on. You know the first story I told you about what happened years ago in Belém. So they know, they heard from God we're supposed to go on the trip. This woman had been in, uh, she was in her 30s, was engaged to be married, She'd broken off at least one other engagement. Every time we'd get close, she'd break the engagement, and she was really sad. And she says, I'm so afraid I'm going to lose. I have this great guy. And, and we're doing prayer ministry. And she says, I don't really want to go to prayer ministry, but I want to go to, I know I'm supposed to go to Brazil. So her friends, pretty forcefully, you're going, you're going to prayer ministry, and you're going to Brazil because you can't be disobedient to God. So she goes to the prayer ministry, and we're in this, and we're praying, and we run into a roadblock. And... We're not making progress. There's not a lot of drama. And I, I asked, this is a good, this again, another, I recommend this when you're doing ministry. When you get done and you've exhausted pretty much everything, you, you ask the person, is there anything that you should tell us that you're either embarrassed or afraid to tell us? Is there anything else? Because many times, yeah, and it's, it's a biggie. This particular one, she said, I'm not telling you that. I, I have never told anyone I'm not doing it. And I said, 
Well, and I do, you know, I did the pastor thing. Well, you have to be good. We're not here to judge you. You know, sin is sin, blah, blah, blah. Get nowhere. I finally said, Lord, I can't finish her prayer ministry. She can't go to Brazil. She's going to lose thousands of dollars because we'd already bought tickets. And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do right now. The model, if they're not going to cooperate with the model, then what, what do we do? And so I just prayed, Lord, please show us what you want to do now. And I got a, a pretty vivid picture of bestiality. Yep. And so I'm like, okay, great. Well, I'm, I sure. Huh? Oh, it was? Okay. So you remember this one? Okay. Well, I don't remember who's with me. I just, yeah. And so I'm like, well, do I tell her? Do I not tell her? Like, I'm, so I just tell her what I saw. If she could crawl under the table, she would have in embarrassment. And it was like, oh, my God, why would God? Because he loves you. And you know what? Sin is sin, right? Now, you've got a lock on on that thing, and it had damage. There was so much guilt and shame and vile in that that it, the devil had tormented her to the point, even in relationships with her husband was to be, it was going to happen. So we end up confessing that. She gets, she gets set free. I end up doing prayer ministry on her husband. I did a military wedding on them at uh, Camp Lejeune. It was amazing, awesome. He happened to be a, um, and a Marine Corps sniper. And you talk about, that was an interesting prayer ministry. And so in the process of her willingness, first God said, go. But I don't want to go and do that. Well, God's going to have his way, and then you cooperate with and that, And then when you look at all the blessings of that that came out of it. So what's the point? When you run into a snag, there'll be another one I'll share probably next week with uh, Anna Paula. That was another one that was a beauty. And stuff that happened in that one is, um, was one where we didn't know what to do. So in the teaching point of this, I want you to see that it starts with you could be a ministry to, you could be just praying for your neighbor. You could be on the street or you could be up here Sunday morning and can I pray for you? And all of a sudden you get this some kind of a, what looks like, we'll talk about what, the, what some of the symptomatic looks to look for or evidences of, some are really obvious, right? Um, but as you look for that, what do you want, at that point you probably want to stop and you want to engage the personality and say, uh, have you been tormented before? Do you want to be free? And set them up for prayer ministry. Um, we had a case one Sunday morning. We were up here uh, praying for some folks. And I, I, prayed, I prayed for this, this individual. And I put my right hand around on his stomach. Don't tell me why. I don't understand. I just did it. And I, I had my hand, my right hand on his stomach area. And my right hand on his shoulder. <laughs> he collapses to the stage and, and uh, uh, got angry. Just his facial appearance just changed. And what it ended up with was a spirit, an anti Semitic spirit. Wow. Hatred. Hatred. Anger. And after the service, yeah. we were down here, I believe uh, uh, Rabbi Shilsky was here. And we looked at him and got down and got, looked at him. I remember that. And Rabbi said, God loves you. And I'm looking down, and his face just got distorted and he began to growl. Well, Bill, father and I took him back to the room, prayer room, and prayed for him. Just so happened that an anti-Semitic hatred spirit happened to be there the one time we've had Rabbi here. Yeah. So, yeah, God is, God is, God is amazing. 
Um, okay. All right. Turn to, we've got a few minutes left. Turn to <clears throat> page 15. I think we've hit this one. Knowledge of who we are and the authority that we have as believers. I think there's the seven sons of Sceva we talked about. There's another correction. In that paragraph where it says, right there, the bottom of the first paragraph, it says, that should be, it says 1 Peter 1, make that 5, 8 and 9, okay? Remember what that one is? The devils, take a firm stand against the devils. He seeks whom he may devour, right? Okay. The, um, what is some of the, we've talked about around this one, what are the weapons that the devil uses um, to stop the deliverance? Intimidation, right? Like what? I'm going to kill you, screaming, yep. Um, tries to choke you. Um, the person can get sick, start vomiting. Um, a, a few months ago, again, I want to protect this, but we had a, a person bring a visitor in. And some of you were in this deliverance, but this person, we started worship, and the visitor went into a catatonic state. And preceded that through the entire, and the friends with her, and it's like, throughout the entire process of preaching sermon, service ends, she's still in that state. And so, um, some of our folks that are familiar with that, I think they stayed until about, was it 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Sarah? Yeah. And again, there was, how do you, we'll share with this next one uh, next week, but how do you deal with someone who is, that's another form of, they go into a catatonic state and there's this, there's no, you, you can't reach the human personality. They're shut down. And so in the process of praying, I think you ended up singing over her, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, and then Ms. Addy was like, it, was, it ended up being the Holy Spirit. It was actually causing, it's like if you speak in tongues. You'll torment it more. Right. So when, when we, they brought her outside in the sunlight. And, right out of it. Yeah. And there was peace. And then the person who came, uh, who brought her, ministered to her. Right. And then, yep. Yep. Yeah. And I ran into her um, out and about in town, and uh, she was doing well. So um, the point of that intimidation, they, they try to divert away from don't bother me and don't cast me out. So they'll find methods. Uh, some of it's pretty wild. Some of it's pretty bizarre. And so, yeah. In the moment of, of that, um, she, when she was coming back to Christ, she didn't remember really anything. She was really out of it at the time. Um, she said, we were talking, um, you know, there was, do we, do we go further with this? And absolutely not. And then she didn't want to actually... She didn't want, if I can remember correctly, she really wasn't ready to, um, to, she couldn't say Jesus is my Lord. She wasn't in that place of, you know, recognizing him. Right. And Miss Addie was there. Is Miss Addie here now? She's no, there. she's um, out of town. So what we did was, you know, let's make an appointment. Let's talk this week. Let's get, you know, so everything, we basically bound whatever was yeah. going on at that point um, and, and, 
you know, try to communicate with everyone around us, like, don't cast anything out. Like, at this point, she wasn't ready for that. Um, Right. If if she's an unbeliever, why why wouldn't you do deliverance on an unbeliever? Right. Where's that scripture? It says seven and worse will come back. Matthew 12, right? Um, Matthew 12, Jesus says the this generation uh, will see the when the strong man is tied up and you plunder his house, once the house is emptied, if it's not full, well, how can you fill an unbeliever? These are the house, right? We're the temple. We are the stones of the living God, First Peter 2. So this house must be filled with the Holy Ghost. And if it's not, non-believers are not filled with the Holy Ghost. And so all you do is make, you, you may... You may have a confrontation with darkness and you may really look good by casting it out, but that's an unbeliever who didn't want to be set free and didn't want to close their doors and you just brought them terrible harm. So um, this is not a game. I'll finish on this statement. Deliverance is not a game. It's not something that um, I'll share one. There was a scenario in the past. I had somebody who had gone through, uh, got saved, came, went through deliverance, Walked with the Lord, walked with the Lord, was amazing. And then through a series of times, started to hang out with the old crowd. Well, I can have one beer. It wasn't too long. There was a cocaine habit that was off the charts. And that person came and saw him. I hadn't seen him. We'd call him. You coming back to church? Uh, didn't show up. And then one day came in and, oh, my gosh. When I was like, you got to get back. Within a week that person was killed in a motorcycle accident and broke our hearts. I remember praying with the father-in-law and we actually were praying over the body and the Lord told the father-in-law, stop, I've taken him because if, you, if he participated in this any longer, he would have lost it, his salvation. And so we stopped. The point of this is, in our zeal, we need to be really wise and we need to tell people, look, the spirit world is real and we'll do ministry, and you will, but you've got to participate in the process and you have to do your best to stay free. Not perfect, but don't reopen doors because it's, it's a dangerous place. All right, well, that's sobering. We'll end on that good note, okay? Let's stand up and we'll pray and Well, at this point, we're going to be into next month. (laughs) I hope you're getting something out of it. So, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we um, seek to have greater and greater revelation, that you would give your people peace. Make them aware. Not um, First, I I bind any fear, any weirdness associated with this, and I don't want them to run out and tell their parents, you know, we're doing all this, and tell your family member they're doing it, and... But at the same time, um, I want a team of people that are fully equipped that biblically know who they are and what authority they have. And that when you told us to go and do greater works than you did in John 14, and one of them was to destroy the works of the devil, and one of the signs we're to follow is to cast out demons, it would be wrong pastorally to not preach the word of God and expect both myself and those who follow, to do what he said. So, Lord, I'm asking that to be anchored in maturity, in a level of revelation. So I just ask for a greater peace. 
And then the, the, in the midst of it, Lord, I pray not only that you would put the full armor of God on them, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, and the breastplate, the blood of Jesus, the breastplate that covers their, their, their breast. Lord, I pray that they would be covered in the full armor of God, but you'd also give them fruit, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, and lots of self-control that partners with the gifting of wisdom, knowledge, discernment, faith, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, and all the others. Helps, compassion, administration, fivefold. God, I pray for the gifts, the fruit, and the armor to be fully around these people so that they can walk in that fullness in love, but knowing that they carry the kingdom and they've been called to bring the kingdom to others. So I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.